Talking Heads, this is good rock and roll um, <clears throat> music. Welcome to the show, ladies and gentlemen. I think this is the only time I've ever said ladies and gentlemen. I'm, I have a question. Yes. I have a question. Speaking of um, gentlemen. The ultimate gentleman, the man's man himself. Yes. Hi there. Hi, everybody. Uh, Adam Scott here. Uh, first time caller, long time listener. I have a question for Scott. Yeah, you've never called into the show, but you have listened to yourself talking on yep. every show. Long time listener, first time caller, like I said. Mm-hmm. Um, when when you said, ladies and gentlemen, it reminded me of sometimes people when they're poking a little bit of fun at, uh, you know, saying, ladies and gentlemen, they say, ladies and germs. Right? Oh, not these days. People aren't saying ladies and germs anymore? Oh, no, 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 no. Germs. Germs are everywhere oh, these days. Oh, right. I hadn't thought of uh, thought of that. That is really irresponsible in these days of COVID-19. As Paul Hardcastle once cautioned America. Um, where do you think that came from? Who do you, we, we, Like, why switch it to germs? The number 19? Well, we can go through both. Okay, let's go through both germs and 19. Okay, okay, first let's do 19. Okay, well, here's the deal. Yeah. The letter 9. The letter 9. Is 9 a letter? The letter 9? Yeah. Okay, the letter 9. I'm with you. Nine, you know nine should about. be a letter, shouldn't it? Yeah. What is the 9? Okay, if I, if I were to ask you what the ninth letter of the alphabet is, and just throw out whatever you think it is right off the top, what's the ninth letter of the alphabet? Okay. Let's see. A B C D E F G H I. Oh, no, nope. off by two. That's K not, was that's yeah. Great. Throw throw out anything to me. Any any number. Uh, the thirty seventh. Thirty seventh would be M. Let's go the, through it. Okay. A B C D D E F G H I J. That's ten. K L M N O P Q R S T. That's twenty. U V W X Y Z twenty six A B C D thirty E F G H I J K L M Wow is thirty nine. What did you yeah. say? Thirty <laughs> seven? No, you, you. It was your guess. It was yeah. No, but I guessed M. Oh right. Yeah, you were right. You were right. Was I right? Okay, yeah. I'm lost. I'm lost. Me too. <laughs> Um, I am lost, but great show lost. Uh, yeah, from a lot the, of fun. The others er, so fun. There was uh, the button they pushed and um, other things. Lots of stuff. The hatch. The hatch. What about Richard Hatch? Isn't it so weird that Survivor, mm-hmm. the first season, has Richard Hatch and he yeah. ends up winning the entire thing? Meanwhile, on the show that has the exact same plot, Lost. A yeah. bunch of people stuck on an island. They have a hatch. We should ask Damon Lindelof and uh, and Carlton Cuse 
if the hatch was inspired by Richard Hatch. I'll bet you it was. I'll bet you it was. I'll bet you 1,000% it was. Those sneaky devils. And then there was also a character named Susan mm-hmm. and a character named Kelly. The the triple three from the first Survivor season. Oh, wow. Yeah. Well, I'm. you know what? I'm just writing down all the questions for... Carlton Cuse and Damon Lindelof. Should we? Should this not be a Talking Heads podcast anymore? This should just be a Lost or maybe a Survivor. I think that's what this is, is a Lost slash Survivor podcast. <laughs> I think people would enjoy it maybe more if it were. I'm not I think sure. <laughs> most assuredly, they would enjoy it more. <laughs> well, I'm enjoying this. Uh, I certainly am. I'm always enjoying talking to my friend from, um, I was going to say from the North, because you're a little bit north of me. Do you consider yourself to be from the north? Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'm I'm in what what's known as northern uh southern California. <laughs> um my friend over here uh he's he we we talked about it last week. He now seems to have shaved his mustache into a Fu Manchu. Is that uh uh, uh is that right or is, is it just a beard that has a little bit of gray where the chin would be? I think it's I think it's just an un uh uncapped mustache that sort of just ended up joining its friends on my face. <laughs> so it's it's not anything at the moment. I got I I need you to be a little bigger though. I cuz I can't see that chin. Is it, it do you have darkness on the chin? There's darkness on the chin, but my my you know what? My is this an episode of what my beard does? <laughs> it might be. <laughs> Hey everybody, welcome to What My Beard Does. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And today we're just talking about what our respective beards do. And look, I'm not here talking about what anyone else's beard is doing. No, okay? no, no, no. That's not the show. That's not the show. This is about what my beard does. My beard. I don't want to talk about any... I'll listen to sure. what people well, have to my say My ears are open and my heart is full. Absolutely. I, but absolutely. As as... You want to come to us and talk to us about your beard? Please do. Yeah. Just n- not on this show. Don't expect me to talk about your beard. I'm talking no. about what why my would, beard does. Why the does. fuck would I ever talk about your beard? Great point. Exact point I was trying to make. You're the one growing your own beard. I can't talk about it. Right. Do I go and ask you about your garden? No. No. I'll talk about my garden. Is this an episode of I'll Talk About My Garden? Yes. Everybody, welcome to I'll Talk About My Garden. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And today we're talking about our own gardens. Not yours. Not yours. Not God, that other not, guy's. We've been, not look, that we, woman's over there. Mine. We've been getting a lot of uh, uh, messages on social media, a lot, a lot of, of emails. Lot like, of hey, mail. can you talk about my garden, please? It right. needs more attention. Please talk about my garden. Guess what our answer to that question is? Not only no, but fuck no. That, that's right. I don't come down to where you work, slap the dick out of your mouth. It's that's right. And that's talk about exactly, your garden. You know, Scott, that is exactly right. So talk about your garden, Adam. Oh, I don't have one. Yeah, neither do I. Okay, bye. Bye. Anyway, tell us about your mustache or or, or your beard. I don't care about your mustache. That's right. Yeah. This is a show about beards. Yeah, beards. Um my beard 
has you just always. light a match? Well, I just lit a candle in here. <laughs> I thought you had a super stinky fart. Did I tell you, I didn't tell you that I installed a toilet in my closet? <laughs> we are taping in our uh, respective closets, uh, by the way, for sound purposes. It sounds really good. All those uh, warm sweaters by you really soak up the uh, the acoustics, do they not? I, th- I think maybe the first episode was recorded in my living room, which is a little more not cavernous, but not as... Uh, what would you describe your decorating style as? Uh, neo-fascist. <laughs> I don't think that's... <laughs> that's not a good look on you. I think you, you may want to change it up. <laughs> yeah, well, that's what what we're going with right now. Okay, yeah, maybe switch to modern, mid-century, I don't know. Sure. Uh, in any case, tell me about your beard. My beard, as far as my beard is concerned, I'm not talking about sure. anyone else's beard. Right now, for the moment, Fidel Castro. Sorry, no, we're I'm not-, not. I'm not talking about his. Be- oh, you, I thought you were you Ma- trying to Mandy get me Patinkin? To th- no, no, sir. Not talking about it. I'm referring only to my beard. It tends to grow uh, in the chin area on the sides and not as much in the middle. How about you? What, what about is your that be- beard? Is that because you're you're uh, you spend so much time uh, going downtown, uh, as as they say? I haven't been able to go downtown much at all since uh, COVID started because the traffic on the 101 has been insane. These are all euphemisms, right? Sex euphemisms? <laughs> That's right. Uh, my you know beard... what I mean by traffic on the 101, right? I certainly do. The one-inch penis on your one body. That's right. Um, my beard, uh, you know, I had I had trouble growing a beard. Oh, no. My uh, until until maybe I was uh, twenty one or so. In fact, uh-huh. when I was when I was eighteen, I wanted to audition for Little Shop of Horrors, and I had played the uh, the dentist in my high school production. And so I I went to a, a local theater in La Mirada, I think maybe, and I auditioned for for the dentist. But I wanted to high look stakes. tough, high stakes. So I I wore a leather jacket, but um, <laughs> and I tried growing like stubble. But all I could grow was like a really blonde beard, like the you invisible beard. Yeah, you couldn't see it all. So instead, I took mascara, oh, and I no. I darkened the beard to just to show that hey, I could look tough. Oh no! Um, I you say oh no, but I think it actually looked okay. Is well, that oh no turned into an okay? I think. Did you get the role? Fuck no. I was 18. They're like, who's who's this kid with the mascara beard? (laughs) They wanted a man. They didn't want (laughs) someone who just turned 18 with a high voice. I'll be a dentist. (laughs) Um, Anyway, that's it for this episode. See you next time. Bye. Bye. Good shit. No, yes. yes, 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 yes. Really good shit. Hey, you yes. know, I know that you introduce yourself, but um, I think that uh, uh, we should both introduce ourselves. What do you say? Sure. Why don't you go next? Um, I am the. I'm going to say I'm the co-host of the show because okay. right. I think there cannot be a host and a co-host. There has to be two co-hosts, right? We Indeed. have equal Indeed. equal stature. I'm the co-host of this show. My name is Scott Ackerman. And across from me here, uh, and very across from me, coming from a a totally different city, is a man who uh, I can see his computer reflection in his eyeglasses, 
and uh, the weird shit that uh, he has on his desktop right now is. Uh, <laughs> Can you tell what it is? <laughs> no, I you know, but that's always a plot point in something like Twin Peaks, where they see a reflection in someone's the iris of someone's eyes yes. or their glasses or something, and go, ah, check that out. And so, and I on the I last could. episode of The Good Fight, it was a big, uh, really, big, yeah. How good was that fight? It was a good fight. It was a good it, fight. In fact, I would say it was the good fight. I don't know why they didn't call that show the best fight. Well, because it's a spinoff from the uh, TG, uh, IF. TGW, uh, K, uh, U. TGWKU, extended the good U? wife. The good wife EU. known universe oh, or extended <laughs> known the known there look there's a lot out there that we don't know about when it comes to With the good wife the universe. good wife this is <laughs> what we know this is what we know the Big Bang Theory okay probably created all life uh, but then the good wife smash God cut to Earth, Earth the and good then wife. the good wife <laughs> that's what we and know then the but good the, fight. Of course, the good fight. But uh, why did they call her the best wife? She was very supportive when she stood up there next to him. Alicia Florek? Absolutely. Not only did she <laughs> stand up. <laughs> yeah. Did you? Okay, wait. I've In never seen one episode. No. You've never seen The Good Wife? No, I've never seen The Good Wife. Okay. I'm here to say The Good Wife is an incredible show. Okay. And The Good Fight is also an incredible show. They're not going to hire you, Adam, no matter how hard you try. I have been trying for <laughs> years. Not a not a word. I wish you would reprise your role from Veronica Mars, which I rewatched recently uh, every episode and uh, was laughing during your episode. You mean like a uh, pedophile teacher? Yeah, I wish you would reprise that for the good fight. That guy. Listen, like, I, would, I would, but they... No matter how many times I praise the show, um, they, they don't, don't have. I, actually, but I don't know if I ever have before. But. I think that guy that you played on Veronica Mars, whose whose catchphrase I believe is "Suck it to me, baby." Yeah, Mister <laughs> Rooks, Mister Rooks. I think he could be like a Richard Belzer type Munch character who just travels, you know, throughout several uh, television shows. Guest starring in them. Yes, he's a pedophile um, school teacher who knocked up a student. But, you know, he's an interesting guy and has so many great catchphrases. Can I hear you say your 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 catchphrase, though? Suck it to me, baby. Is that what I say? <laughs> yeah, that, I believe it is. <laughs> I, I remember that being really hard. Like that is because the way you Rob. <laughs> That's right. That's exactly what I was, what I was saying. Hey-o! Rob Thomas, of course, uh, the great uh, Veronica Mars creator, uh, who then uh, did Party Down. Am I right about that? That's right. And whom I met at a Party Down uh, Museum of Television event uh, where you were. Uh, I, I might have been a guest of yours, although maybe we didn't know each Gosh, other that when well was back this? then. When was this? I feel like it must have been 2002-ish or something like that, and uh, he is a big Mr. Show fan and came up and talked to me for a while, and that was really nice. Oh, I was with Tall John, so maybe we 2002. were- Well, Party Down didn't even start filming in 2000, till 2009, so it was probably I think it was 2001, maybe September oh. 11th, 2001. <laughs> <laughs> 
right after we found out what had happened, we decided to get together and talk about the show. A show that wasn't going to start filming for another eight years. That's right. So wait, Party Down was 2009? That seems late. That's when we start. No, we started shooting it in late 2008. It came out in 2009. More like 2000 late. Whoa. 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 Is this... Is this another episode of Red Hot Zingers? <laughs> I think it is. Hey, everyone. Welcome to another episode of Red Hot Zingers. This is Scott. Oh, yeah. And this is Scott. And what better band to score Red Hot Zingers than the Red Hot Chili Peppers themselves? Oh, man. There's nothing I like more than putting on some Red Hot Chili Peppers and coming up with some red hot zingers. You know what I'm saying. <laughs> All right. So this is the show where we try to zing each other in a red hot manner. Oh, shit. And uh, uh, all right. What do you got? Go ahead. Oh, try man. to zing me. Make sure okay. that it's red hot. Make sure it's red oh, hot. Oh, yeah, yeah. No, these are red hot only. Anything that's not red hot. Anything that's not going to sting. Anything that's uh, toasty. Eh, that's for another yeah, show. I don't know. And also, it can't be too red hot so that it... It oh, no, burns no, no. to a crisp and also, crumbles we, in your hands. We don't want to hurt each other's feelings. That's another no, thing about no, this no, show. No, 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 We, we, I, it's all in good fun, but, um, you know, even the slightest negative, uh, critique of myself gets me really upset. So, uh, well, yeah, that's, that's called a burn. This is not a burn. This is a red hot zinger. This is a red hot zinger. And we, of course, but, uh, please don't criticize me or my looks or, my mother or my work. Absolutely or... not. And and that goes that goes both ways. It's a safe I space here you. on Red Hot Zingers. <laughs> Absolutely. No burns here. No burns. No burns. Red Hot Zingers. Red Hot, Red Hot Zingers here. No burns. Red right. Hot Zingers. No burns. No burns. So just please be gentle with me. I, Absolutely. I know, I know it's all good fun, but just say, you know, and then maybe you might choose instead of to do a red hot zinger, maybe it's just a compliment. Who knows? You know, right? But, but... You you never know. And w w another like one of the first rules of red hot zingers is we define what a red hot zinger is in the moment. <laughs> in the moment, we know it. Look, it's a lot like pornography. If I'm looking at it, it probably is one. <laughs> That's right. If I'm looking at it, it's probably a red hot zinger, and it's probably. Free pornography. <laughs> That's Is that right. what you mean? That's right. So uh, hit me, Adam. Hit me, but be gentle, please. My my it. delicate heart it. can't take. You uh, got it. Okay. Uh, oh man, Scott. You know, today I was, I was, I had to go to the grocery store pick up some some items, and I stopped and I saw in the the soft drink aisle. You know where they have. Different oh, sure. We all know drinks. the soft drink aisle. Pepsi, Diet Pepsi, Sprite, Diet Sprite, Fanta, That's right. Diet Fanta. Anything you want, soda-wise, you're going to find it in the soda aisle. Version. Yes, exactly. That's, That's right. The, that, I, I remember going down that aisle when I was a kid, just like, I could not wait to get there to see what kind of soda they had. <laughs> so you're bringing back a lot of great memories for me here. Yeah, so that's where I was. I was walking sure. up and down that aisle. I'm like, where's up and the ginger down, ale? Up and I down. need ginger ale. Where is it? Is it here? Is it there? I'm going up and down. Where's the, the ale of dry? the ginger root. I am on the verge of asking uh, someone that works at the grocery store, hey, man, where's the ginger ale? <laughs> uh, yeah. And then I there. stopped. I stopped. I turned to my right and I saw some root beer. 
Okay. Whoa, okay. Okay. Still not, not finding ginger, ginger ale, but it's okay because I turn, I see some root beer, and you know what I thought? What's that? I thought, I bet Scott would like a nice, tall, frosty root beer right about now. And so I grabbed one, threw it in the cart. Wow. That, and that. That's a that red hot zinger. a red hot zinger. No burns. No burns. No burns. All right, we'll see you How next about, time. No, whoa, wait, whoa, 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 whoa. Confucius what, this is unprecedented. Stopping the, the goodbyes in the middle of Red Hot Zingers? It wouldn't be an episode of Red Hot Zingers without you zinging me, bro. Oh, okay. All right, all right, all right. Here we go. What are my parameters, first of all? What, what are you sensitive about that you don't want me to make fun of? Everything. Okay. I, anything will hurt my feelings. Anything and everything, even a gentle nudge in that direction. I okay. hate it. Okay. All right, all right. Well, let me see but if I But I want to get up. zinged. I want right, that zing. Right. Um, Adam... Your, uh, 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 your, 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 so, uh, your weight, Adam, yeah. your yeah, yeah, weight, yeah. your weight is so, um, uh, perfectly proportionate to, to your frame and your height and your, your, your BMI is right on target. Um, that's so right. That, so that when you sit around the house, people who pass by say like, oh, wow, Adam looks really good today. That's a Red Hot Zinger! Red Zinger! No, no burns. burns! We'll see you next the time. Wow. That was, uh... That was a... Those guys are intense. <laughs> a little too intense for me, if I'm going to be honest. It's, I, I, you know, I just don't like that kind of cringe humor. Yeah, me neither. You know, it's too where mean. It's too mean. It's too mean of a show. So I'm, I don't think that we'll uh, hear from those guys ever again. Never. Not I once. Think, I think they should commit suicide. <laughs> Both of them. <laughs> yep. Um, by the way, if you're listening to this, and I, I sincerely hope you are, and if you aren't, you can't hear me, I do want to introduce my co-host. Um, he is the co-host with the co-most. He is... Uh, I do uh, have the co-most. <laughs> COVID-19 the most. That's right. <laughs> um, he oh, is, man. Uh, uh, you saw him uh, Speaking on, of red-hot zingers. <laughs> you saw him on the Parks and Recreation special, which how much money did that raise for uh, for for the cast? <laughs> <laughs> um, man, we raked it in. So uh, I know Amy, there was this whole charity yeah. thing out the, there. Yeah, this charity angle. But Amy, Buco Dolores. But yeah, anyway, uh, Adam Adam Scott is here. Hello, Adam. Yeah. No, it, I think it ended up raising, at last time I had heard or checked, it was like $4 million for Feeding America. It I would imagine it's even more than that by now, which wow. is terrific. Amazing. Yeah. Four of those uh, little numbers with the six zeros. Oh boy, do we love them zeros. <laughs> oh, hey, you know what? Add another zero on that, why don't you? <laughs> oh God, you got me. Oh man. <laughs> if only Red Hot Zingers were back. I know. But Such unfortunately, yeah. They 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 shut <laughs> shut down, closed up shop. Yep. Shut down, shut down, closed. I they closed stopped, up, dropped. I don't open up shop. I, I feel like was that talking or is this an episode of talking about money? Oh yeah, I think it is. Hey everyone, welcome to Talking About Money. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we're just talking about money here. It's been a long time since we uh, uh, did an episode. 
Yeah. But, but here we are talking about money. Just chit-chatting about the old ching-ching. Mm, you know it. Uh, you know that uh, little button on the cash register? No uh, sale. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> you know yeah. that one? The one that and opens up? And what's that up? sweet sound? Cha-ching! Cha-ching! I love it. I love that sound. You know I why? I love it. Why is that? I, I actually, I don't know. I think it has something to do with the topic of the show, but I think this show might just be about sounds and how much we love sounds. Is is this an episode of how much we love sounds? I, th- I think it is. Hey, everyone. Welcome to How Much We Love Sounds. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we're talking about sounds and how like, much we love them and how much do you love sounds i think i i think i legitimately am in love with them i think i think that i am too what's what's your favorite sound my favorite sound a big beefy fart <laughs> I knew we'd get there. All right, we'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. So, yeah, I don't money. I don't think we love money at all. It seems like rather than money. Yeah, we might just love sounds. Yeah, I think money might be. We were talking about ginger root recently or the guys in red hot zingers were i think it might be the root of all evil i think you're right i think i guess this is the final episode of talking about money okay all right we'll see you next time bye bye man a lot of shows doing their final episodes man yeah this is uh this is tough this has turned into a bit of a bit of a day a bit of a day indeed. This is a lot like when, uh, remember when that, uh, do you remember that show that Jerry Seinfeld had in the 90s? Um, hmm. What was it called? It was this guy, Jerry Seinfeld, and it was his friends. Um, uh, I don't even remember his friends. Who were his friends? Oh, I've seen that with like... Uh... It's Courtney it's Cox. Friends. Yeah, Courtney Cox, Matt Le- LeBeau? Well, no. <laughs> I think Matt that's an Le- agent. Matt LeBlanc. <laughs> Matt, Matt LeBeau, LeBlanc. that's right. <laughs> is he a publicist? Um, I, he is a publicist. He's awesome. Uh, sure. Yeah, anyway, it's a lot like that when that uh, uh, stopped doing their uh, show, uh, the name of which escapes me, but I believe it was about friends. Um, welcome to the show. And Adam, <laughs> I gotta, I got to know... Yeah. I gotta know right now. Will you love me forever? Yeah. Thanks. No probs. Do you think we're gonna grow old together? That we're gonna be too on Zoom until <laughs> we're old men. But do you think that do you see a future for us where like you're seventy five and I'm, you know, um fifty eight and we're like sitting on the porch and as old men and we're just like still talking about uh, jams that we liked when we were 14 years old. <laughs> what band would we 
Like, it's like we'll be talking about a band that doesn't even exist at this point. <laughs> because by then. we'd already gone through all the Zerplex twelve eighteen star. And the and the audiences dwindled down to people that died three years ago, who somehow are their their online profile is able to still listen to podcasts. <laughs> still, yeah, they're still part of the 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 automatic downloads because they subscribed. Um, but, uh, I look forward to that. There's no one else that I would rather grow old with oh, yeah. uh, than you. Me too. I, I want to see those rinkies on that. I want to see them. I want to feel the rinks. <laughs> I want to, I want to like put creases in your face right now. I wish that I were in the same room with you <sighs> so I could like just mold your face like silly putty and put wrinkles in there so I can tell what you're going to look like when you're old. Just grab that face and just rink it up. Just I rink just it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to see it. I want to I want to get silver spray paint and just spray your hair with it. Oh, I want to make your hair different colors. So that you look like Leonardo DiCaprio and J. Edgar. Just uh, I want everyone to look like Leo and J. Edgar Hoover. <laughs> everyone. Every everyone. single person. If everyone were old, then no one would be considered old anymore, and there wouldn't be this stigma anymore. You know what That's I mean? That's right. It's like that that show where everyone's blind. I think it, it's like Children of Men, where like no new babies. That's the thing. That's right. That was like a dystopian future. I think it would be rad because no babies, the, no babies, because suddenly there's no more competition for all the good no roles. competition of love from uh, mothers. Yeah, we well, get, yeah, totally. we as we as uh, grown up humans would get all of that love yeah, from all which, the mothers. That's the worst part about babies. Is yeah, they take all the love. They take all. They take ninety point ninety nine point nine percent of it. I want smooches and cuddles yeah. from mothers all around the world. Yes, w- not why just do Naomi. they have to give it to babies? Exactly. I want their undivided attention, ladies. At all times. <laughs> That's right. So I think it would be great. One thing Children of Men ne- did not bring up is whether there are puppies in the world. Like, were oh, new yeah. dogs? I wonder. I wonder also, if they like, had. It, it had been 18 years since the, or 19 years since the last baby was born, which yeah. is the lifespan of a dog. So if, was there a dog in that movie? Do you remember seeing it, never hearing, at least like in the ADR, a dog barking off screen? And so I'm going, someone shut that dog up. No, I, I don't remember, but uh, we should watch it and, and find out because that's a really good question. And uh, we we should also get on the horn with uh, Alfonso, Alfonso Cuaron. Cuaron. Yeah, 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 we should ask him. Hey, look, Alfonso, I know you're listening. Yep. Can you tell us about the dog's? Yeah, are there dogs? Are there dogs in the mice? Children of Meniverse? What about what mice? About spiders? What about spiders? What about mosquitoes? Fleas. Flea. Hey, speaking of which. Right back to the Red Hot Chilies. Right back to the Chili Peppers. That was a Red Hot Zinger. That was a Red Hot Zinger. No burns. No burns. No burns. All right. We have to take a break, Adam. Is that all right? Uh, do we have to? I haven't even said what we're going to do. Oh, in our next segment. Oh, when we come back, we have a, a guest on the show. We have uh, the inimitable Tawny Newsom. Fantastic. Who you may know from Space Force or Star Trek Lower De- Decks. <laughs> I keep saying desk. 
Um, and she's a Talking Head super fan, and, and we're going to be uh, talking to her and then uh, talking to her Talking Head, and then we'll be talking about Remain in Light. That's pretty exciting. All right. All right, so we will be right back. When we come back, we'll have Tawny Newsome, and we'll be talking Talking Heads. We'll be right back after this. Talking, talking heads to my talking head. We're back. We're going to be talking about Remain in Light today. A seminal album from Talking Heads discography, their fourth record. But before we get to that, uh, Adam, when we decided to segue into talking about Talking Heads, uh, I knew that there was one person that we had to have on the show. Um. She is a Talking Heads super fan. She has a long history with the band. Uh, not only is she a very successful actor uh, out there, she's in uh, currently on Space Force on Netflix, as well as Star Trek Lower Decks on uh, CBS All Access. Uh, she was a cast member of Bajillion Dollar Properties, a show that I uh, had uh, 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 minimal involvement with, but my wife uh, made. And um, she has a... But but uh, she was also in doc- the documentary Now Stop Making Sen- Sense episode. God damn, why can't I talk? I'm just I don't nervous. know. I really so don't know. I'm so nervous to bring her on. This is freaking me out. This is a big... We got a big star on here. She's worked with Steve Carell. Have you ever worked with Steve Carell? Fuck no, you haven't. Yeah, I have. In what? I was on uh, Rashida's show. Huh? Remember Rashida's show that... uh, Angie Tribeca? Yeah, Angie Tribeca. There you go. Thanks, Tawny. Huh? Hi, guys. Yeah, you're welcome. (laughs) Um, I had no idea. Was he there on set? He was. But regardless... Tony is so when you incredible. say you worked you worked with him like what did you like what what was your involvement you acted on it and what did did he ever give you one note or pay attention we, to anything we we put did? together a, uh, a skateboard on set but we did it together we had to like put the trucks on and then the wheels and get the ball bearings in did there did you work in props on this show I, we both did a few days on props, uh, and I did end up acting on it later down the road. Oh, okay. In any case, Tawny Newsom is here. Hello, Tawny. Hello. I'm sorry I scare you. Yeah, I'm really fucking nervous. Um, <laughs> it's good to see you. So, uh, uh, you know, like I said, you, your involvement with Talking Heads uh, goes really deep out of probably all my friends. You know the most about them. Um, and so, you know, I really wanted to have you on this episode, especially since I believe Remain in Light is one of your favorite records. Um, but, you know, going backwards a little bit, I mean, I, uh, that's certainly going to be in our future talking about that kind of stuff and, and your uh, multiple projects that involve Talking Heads. But I want to I take it a little bit back. I want to I go further back in time. Um, you know, who knows, five years, 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, who knows how far back we're going to go. Wow. And really just get down to just really dig deep and really get down to, to basically at its bare essence. What I want to ask you is when did you first hear of talking heads? Wow. Now I'm nervous. I didn't know this was going to be like hard hitting journalism. Um, yeah. 
Yeah, that's a it's a good question, huh? Yeah, it's a good question. It really makes you think. Uh, it does make me think back to um, I think my stepmom was a fan of them. My stepmom mm. was very much into new wave and kind of this proto punky era of stuff. When was your stepmom um, uh, bored, if I may ask? She, she is young. So what is she now? She's 54. She's mm. very young. My, my, I have young parents, so everybody chill out. Um, but uh, yes, yeah, so she was a big <laughs> fan. Were people upset of- about <laughs> I'm Be- not quite sure. people I think get... she saw that I started jumping up and down. <laughs> I think <laughs> saying yes, fifty-four. Because that—that's your favorite studio, is it? Young not? parents, young parent. Yeah, and I love Studio Fifty-Four. I think people that I'm friends with who aren't that much older than me, like when they hear how old my parents are, get offended and angry because they're mm. like, "Why are your parents almost my peers?" And I'm like, <laughs> "Generations are weird, you guys." Um, Anyway, she was a big fan, and I wasn't into it in high school because it sounded bouncy and weird, and I didn't understand. What did you and like I, in high school? Oh, I was the worst. I mean, I liked Weezer. I liked the Pixies. That was my one cool, my one cool band. But everything else was just alt rock, trash, and weird R and B. So I, I wasn't hmm. doing it right. When you say um, weird R and B, what are what are we talking? And alt rock trash. I'm also curious about. Um, I loved Anita Baker because my mom loved Anita Baker. Um, but you just so said your mom loved Talking Heads and you didn't love Talking Heads. What, no, like, that was my stepmom. There are two women oh, in this story, sir. Oh, sorry, 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 sorry. <laughs> so you took your mom's side when it came to music and you didn't like what your stepmom liked. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. I think because I, I liked to sing and I could sing along to like Anita Baker and like kind of the croonier stuff that my mom was mm-hmm. into. My stepmom was into very bouncy. My stepmom listened to like Oingo Boingo and like a lot uh-huh. of Depeche Mode and stuff I that I was meet just your like. Stepmom. She's the coolest. She and now I I'm get like, along. I know now our, our tastes are aligned. Um, so yeah, she was right. Uh, but Anita my mom Baker's was wrong. <laughs> your mom is not wrong. Come on. <laughs> Anita Baker, no, I, listen. Come on. Anita Baker's fantastic. What about we're going riding on the freeway of love? I don't think that's Anita Baker. That's is it? not that's Anita Aretha Baker. Franklin. Are you just saying names that start with an A? Yeah. Oh, okay. Let's keep going. Well, Let's go down the alphabet. Al Jarreau. Sure. ACDC. Yep. There we go. ACDC, by the way, recording in the studio next to Talking Heads when they recorded Remain in Light. Recording their Back in Black album. That is a weird detail. Is God, it the sound bleed must have been very stressful for the engineers. Yes. Well, you can actually, if you turn up the Remain in Light record, you can actually hear uh, them going, Back in Black! <laughs> off, <laughs> they like should have left the, it in. in. The background. Yeah, they should have. It would have been a hit. Um, it's such a layered album. Like, their whole thing is layering, right? That, that should have been one of them. So when did you first, when did you actually, like, what was, what hooked you into liking Talking Heads? Ah, uh, yes. Great question. Um, what hooked God, me two in. two for two. I know. This is great. Step aside, Katie Couric. Um, and Katie really Perry had to, and Katie Holmes. <laughs> all of them. All the Katies. Take all three of my dream Katies. I just oh, like that man. Scott's main competition is Katie Couric. <laughs> <laughs> well, who Adam, who are some of your dream Katie's? Let's go dream Katie's real yeah, quick. Yeah, dream Katie's. Well, there's is it, Wait, wait, wait. Holmes. Is this an episode of dream Katie's? Yes. I think so. Ice cold Katie, won't you marry the soldier? Ice cold Katie, won't you do it today? Ice cold Katie, won't you marry the soldier? Hey, everyone. Welcome to Dream Katie's. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And we have a special guest is, host. I, I'm Tawny. I'm just here. You're, well, you're a guest. I mean, you're more than just here. 
Yeah, yeah, I mean, no. quite you honestly, invented you, this podcast. In yeah, you may be the biggest reason why this podcast exists. Yeah, you're right. So I guess without any further ado, we should get into our dream Katie's. Yeah. Um, All right, but don't push us just because you're the only reason this podcast exists doesn't mean you get to run the fucking show. Oh, you're right. Sorry. Okay, have your stupid fucking banter. Go ahead. Take a back seat. We're we're men here. We we want to <laughs> talk. Go nuts. Go nuts. We have to be in the front seat. <laughs> we finally want to be heard as men. Have a blast. Who are your dream Katie's? Well, did you did we already say Katie Holmes? Yes, that's one of my dream Katie's. Oh, um, Katie. Uh, why don't let's see what what Tawny what Tawny has, and I'll uh, and I'll try and Jesus dream some Christ, up, dude. You, I mean, we wanted to do this show, and then we come to you with the first question. You're like, hey, what are your dream Katie's? You can't even fucking think of one. Well, I thought of Katie Holmes, but I I already sounds like claimed already- her. Okay, so she's yours. What, Tawny, go ahead. Well, I know. I think we already said Katy Perry, but I mean, she's mine. She's actually all God three of mine. God damn it! So. These are mine. These are my Katies. Oh, Katie Why Porter. Why are you trying to? Katie Porter. That's my dream, Katie. Who's Katie Porter? Um, she's a congressperson. Oh, Scott. right. What about Katie Lang? Are we counting KDs as well? Yeah, that's, that's different. I thought that's what we were talking about. All KDs. Yeah, KD Holmes. KD Perry. Who's KD Holmes? She's my neighbor. Oh, all right. That's a whole different thing. Oh, you guys were talking KT's? Yeah, it's a different podcast. KT's. Yeah. Oh, I'm not interested in this podcast. Oh. I'm quitting. Did you think we were on an nope. episode of. Goodbye. Ice Cold Katie, won't you marry the soldier? Ice Cold Katie, won't you do it today? Ice Cold Katie, won't you marry the soldier? Soon he'll march away. Good episode. That was was great. it. I thought it was really good. I was I was really engaged. <laughs> it's hard for me to know how you guys measure what's a good episode or not because I oh, thought that was great. But that was a ten out of ten. Yeah. Oh okay. Yeah, that was it. about as good as a podcast gets. Not just here, but anywhere in the world. Any podcast, serial, others, Conan O'Brien, the top two, the top two, serial and Conan O'Brien. Um, okay, so now you. What was the first? When time did I you like them? Yeah, when did you like them? Um, I got. I joined a tribute band. I was just like looking for a way to pay the bills. I was singing a lot of like backup and a bunch of backing like bar what bands city in Chicago. Is this? Chicago. Chicago. That's right. And um, I know you're sick of me talking about Chicago. I am. Sorry, man. <laughs> Sorry, man. It's where the story takes place. Okay, that's all right. Would you mind setting this story in a different city? Yeah, would that be okay? Sure. Maybe Nashville or... Great. Yeah, this was the Talking Heads tribute band in Nashville, Tennessee that I was in. <laughs> okay, good. Uh, <laughs> and what go were Sox, you go Bears. Um, Oh, just a big old plate of crawd daddies. I don't know what they eat in Nashville. I'm so sorry. No, that's what they eat there. Okay, but it's certainly not deep dish pizza. No, never. Okay. Um, and I joined this tribute band that was putting on, they were recreating Stop Making Sense. Like they were completely. How did you hear about him? Was there an ad in the paper or what? You say you no. did it to pay the bills. Yeah. So this guy, Ray, he owns this uh, this cool bar called Martyrs, which is like a great rock venue um, in Lincoln Square in Nashville. Mm. And um, <laughs> he uh, he knew the his bartender, this guy Charlie, was putting together this band or had put it together already and knew that they needed additional singers and, you know, uh, instrumentalists and stuff. Much mm. in the same way that Talking Heads needed to flesh out their lineup in order to play Stop Making Sense. Okay. So, a lot of parallels. So you, you auditioned, parallels. they liked you, you got the job. We can compress some of this. 
Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, I went to their apartment. It was three floors up. I rang the bell. Um, oh, jeez. <laughs> but yeah, so they had me doing the Lynn Mabry part, one of the uh, right. uh, backing Backup singers, singers there. Yeah. Yeah. And it was so insanely fun because I had to watch that DVD maybe like four, 40 times probably because we were doing it like it was kind of like cosplay. Like we were doing it like move perfect. Every wow. note was perfect. We had like the lighting design. We did the shadows. Oh, incredible. it was very like big and intricate. Yeah, it was, I thought you were it was say really it was like fun. Cosby. Yeah, it was like the Cosby show. Uh, <laughs> I played uh, Olivia. Cosby <laughs> cosplay. It's the best. <laughs> Suddenly, Malcolm Jamal Warner comes in with the mismatched shirt. Oh, just so many warm sweaters. <laughs> yeah. How long did you do that show for? Off and on. We probably did the full I Stop can imagine sense. you stopped occasionally, but I mean, it would only last about two hours. Yeah. Yeah, it was 75 minutes, but sure. Okay. And uh, we did Stop Making Sense in full. I probably did it with them six times, but... In between that, we would tour and just do a regular talking head show where we didn't have to dress up. We just played like everything hmm. in little like jam band towns. When all you say over dress the country, up, I so. mean, in, in Stop Making Sense, they're just kind of wearing like sweats, aren't they? Yeah, but it's really hyper specific. Like yeah, they're yeah. very specific shades of gray. They're layered really specifically. I mean, Tina Weymouth has like an insane costume change where we discovered our bassist, Jamie, had to underdress, like she had to layer one outfit over oh. top of another one. To wow. make the change. Tina Weymouth's clothes and Stop Making Sense are incredible. I mean, they, they they're, all the so outfits cool. are pretty great, but hers are the coolest. Yep. She's got those fishnets and the slouchy boots. Yep. It's so cute. Totally. So yeah. so, so you did this for a number of years, and it, it gave you an appreciation of the music. Yeah, because I lear- I've probably performed that music... Uh, you know, as much as anyone, like, <laughs> I don't want to say as much as the actual band, but like I've performed Maybe, those songs I mean, so many times. Maybe did it a couple Maybe. of years, you know? Uh, yeah. yeah. And so I probably did it then. off and on for three or four years. And then the band kept going. Like I had moved to LA and they kept touring for a long time. So, hmm. so they're still out there. Do you want to give them a shout out or? Yeah, they're called, this must be the band. They don't do tribute anymore. They have like original music now uh, oh, under I'm the name. I'm not interested anymore. Well, you wanted me to give them a shout out. You wanted me to shout them nah. out or no? D- reverse shout out. Take their shout out back. Suck it back in. They go by Grid. <laughs> Look them up. The band's called Grid. Okay. Um, I did it fast. So you, what was the first record that you bought from them? Does um, it stop making sense, I would imagine? Or did you just watch the DVD? No, I had the DVD and I listened, like I watched that over and over. The first record I probably bought, I think I probably bought the name of this band is Talking Heads, mm. just because the it was like the of. first one I saw. No, that's the yeah. uh, the live uh, no, oh, the live one, out, right. uh, 1982, in between uh, Remain in um, Light and... Uh, Remain in Light and... Uh, uh, speaking in Tongues. Yeah. So you, yeah, I think that's probably the first one I got. So uh, did you go back then and, and go through their entire discography or... Well, yeah, because it was weird because I kind of had this drop box of everything that the tribute band would ever play, which was pretty much everything. Like we got into the weird ones. You know, there were some songs that we didn't do a ton. Like, you know, we didn't do uh Scene or like, you know, we didn't do Moon Rocks that often. But like we did a, a, almost their whole <laughs> discography. Wow, wow. So I just had it in digital form divorced from any album you know arrangements i just had like all these songs and was just told to learn like here are the parts that you're going to learn on all these songs so i had this really like very performance-based relationship with all the music 
So then when I would buy a record or hear a different recording of it or hear a live recording of it, it would kind of like jolt me. It was like I was hearing a new song. So you were doing the essentially the expanded live group that was put together uh, after Remain in Light in order to play their more complex music. Yeah. Um, when you would play the stuff that was from earlier on, would you adapt it to sound like the Stop Making Sense sort of style in the same way that they did for Stop Making Sense with some of the earlier stuff? Yeah, sometimes. And sometimes we just, I mean, sometimes they toured without me and they had a pared down, mm. you know, for f- money and finances and stuff. It was better to just go with fewer people. But well, that's That's a good question. How much did you get paid to do this? Um, one time, (laughs) don't answer that. Don't answer that. No, no. I want to be transparent, Adam. This is how we know how much we're worth. Okay. One time I did only get paid $60, but that was my fault because I spent too much, uh, Mm. like petty cash on like beer and stuff. For for the night? (laughs) Yeah. Because I had like spent a bunch of money. And so then when we tallied up at the end of the night, it was like, this is all that's left. I was like, okay, that's my, that's my fault. Okay. Um, so that's, that's really cool. And then, so it, it made you love, uh, their, their music. And, um, then how did you then get involved in the documentary now, uh, episode, which was basically, if you haven't seen documentary now, it's Fred Armisen and Bill Hader's show on IFC that got all of the advertising money and none went to comedy bang bang. Is that (laughs) how you would describe it? Mm Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, that was um that was in the uh, promotional materials, I think. <laughs> um uh I think someone forwarded it to me saying and I think they said like like a friend who was in the industry forwarded it and said, "Weren't you in like a Talking Heads band? This looks like something you should do." And it was just a call for a backup singer. It wasn't like, "Hey, you're going to be in a comedy show." Um and it was when we were doing Bajillion. So I think my friend was like, hey, this seems like it's for you because you do comedy and you do music and you were in this band. And I like they just wanted a video of me like singing Take Me to the River or whatever. Uh-huh. And what I did instead is I went and I cut footage from our <laughs> our Stop Making Sense. Oh, that's such a good idea. I was just like, you guys, you don't want anyone but me. You want me to do it. And not only did they hire me, they called me and they were like, who's your friend who's playing the other girl? Can you just like call her too? So we don't uh, have to keep looking for this role anymore. Totally. And did you or did you say, fuck, no, I'm not going to do that? Yeah, I said, fuck her. Fuck Give Casey Foster. We're not friends anymore. <laughs> oh, that's so good. So it was it was essentially, if you haven't seen the episode, it was inspired by Stop Making Sense because documentary now, they every episode was a parody of a different documentary. And so they did, uh, uh, it was kind of a Talking Heads-ish band that Fred uh, was doing the David Byrne role. Is that right? Yeah. And Bill learned to play the bass for that. He played all the bass on those tracks. Wow. Really? Is wow. there a, is yeah. there a, uh, 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 what do you call it? A soundtrack from it? Yeah, they sold. Yeah, I think they put it on Apple Music or something. Oh, yeah. I know they, they sold tracks from it. Oh. I still have all the demos, which is really fun. Cool. Because they're, the them. demos were so, well, we can't all get in trouble. Okay. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> um... <laughs> Well, that's that's amazing. And do you have any other uh, uh, connections to Talking Heads that uh, we can talk about? I don't know. It feels like it's taken up a lot of my life and brain space in a way that is so strange to me. But it feels so like, I don't know, I feel very like comforted (laughs) when I think about Talking Heads because I just there's something strange about coming to it before you're really a fan 
and coming to it almost like you you work for them or you're in the band. So you <laughs> you're just part develop of the a relationship. Organization. Yeah, like I don't I'm not in the band. I never thought that, but I was like, "Oh, I'm part of their like franchise. Like I opened this weird <laughs> Wendy's. Right, I know how to right. make all the food." You're like <laughs> essentially Wendy. the the touring blue man group. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Right. And it did feel like a weird hybrid between like almost theater and rock music. Um Right. And I can tell you that you know, we can get into it when we talk about the album, but um, there are some tracks that weren't, you know, uh, that just w- didn't get reviewed well, like when the albums came out or whatever. And I can tell you that some of those tracks specifically that critics said like, oh, this one's too screechy or too weird or whatever, playing them live in front of an audience is like the most insane experience because people go nuts. Like there's mm. something very primal that happens to people mm. with a lot of these tracks. So if, if it's hard to get into an album, yeah. sometimes I'll try to see... Uh, a band doing it live because sometimes that'll just make it come to life in a certain way because there's something that maybe the recorded version is missing or something. So that's really interesting. Yep. And and now, Tony, you're also a musician right now, and aren't you recording an album currently? I am, yeah. I just finished recording it. It's being mixed now, oh, wow. which means it's out of my hands and I'm terrified. Um, but we very much took a... Uh, we tried to take kind of a Remain in Light approach where we sort of played everything in layers and are, are peeling back things to kind of carve Sounds out like dynamics. That person who played Tina in your stage show, taking off the layers one by one. Yeah, 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 yeah. Pull off a sweatpant, reveal a fishnet. And <laughs> I, you wrote on Twitter the other day that, that you were talking to your guitarist and uh, you... <laughs> There's something that you kept saying to him that he asked you to stop saying. Is that right? Oh, my very sweet guitarist, Patrick Martin. Um, they're all back in Chicago now. They came out here and recorded it at my house. Um, and I had taught myself to like engineer everything. So I was feeling very like inside the music. Couldn't really like get out of it. Now it's in the hands of our mixer in Chicago. And Patrick and my bandmate Bethany are sitting in the mix with him. And I'm on the Zoom connection trying to explain what I mean. And Bethany and I just over and over are like, can you make this more like Adrian Ballou? Like, you know how Adrian Ballou, okay, so like if you listen to like, I don't know, The Great Curve or something, Adrian <laughs> Ballou, and we probably said Adrian Ballou 150 times before Patrick was like, I love you guys. I need another reference. This is not helpful at all. Just saying Even one man's say it name. 50 times, it does not. <laughs> right. And I was like, maybe if I gesticulate more. <laughs> Do you think that Stop Making Sense would be your favorite album of theirs? Because of your experience, you know, like touring around. Actually, Tawny, you you told me that Remain in Light is your favorite. Is that right? I think Remain in Light is my favorite because top to bottom, I find it more listenable. But Stop That's Making Sense is Kula. definitely... Oh, top to bottom, more listenable every year. Is that what you write in your, uh, yep. <laughs> your anniversary card? <laughs> oh, God. What is the secret to staying married? <laughs> Uh, hey, you tell me, because <laughs> you're married, are you not? <laughs> Let's swap secrets during the break. Okay. Um, okay, well, we do have to take a break. Um, when we come back, we're going to talk about Remain in Light. Are you excited? This is your this is your favorite Talking Heads album, and, and is it safe yeah. to say one of your favorite records of all time, or even in Ooh, top 10? I don't know. It's in top 10, for sure. Okay. Yeah, it's got to be. It should be in everyone's top 10. Sure. do you think? Sure, why not? Maybe is not it, Is it in your guys' top 10? I don't know. We'll, we'll talk about it when we get to it. But we uh, have to take a break. When we come back, we are going to talk with Tawny about Talking Heads Remain in Light. We'll be right back with more of you talking Talking Heads to my Talking Heads.
Welcome back. This is the aforementioned Moon Rocks. Seldomly played by whatever that band is that Tony was talking about. I wasn't paying attention. We are back. This must be the band. Thank you, Adam. That's right. Um, we're back, and we're talking about Talking Heads' album, Remain in Light. All right, let's go through some facts. Released October 8, 1980. Mere, a mere month before Ronnie Reagan was <laughs> elected to be president of well, well, the United well, States. <laughs> well, well, here we go again. Gee, Scott, I, I'm really happy to. Well, <laughs> meanwhile, Jimmy Carter, he was on his way out. I'm going back to my peanuts. And yes, I said peanuts, and not peanuts. Bill Clinton came along and he was right there with him. It depends on what the definition of is is. Monica, I need a Lewinsky from you. Um, in any case. And then after that, we had George W. Bush. He was can a finish, real cowboy. Can I finish? Can I finish? Oh, no. That's, that's Ross Perot. Oh, can by I the way, I was listening to Not Gonna Do It. Who's that? Who's that? Who's that, who's that one? Ross Perot. No. I was listening to Paul Anka's album, 70s, released in 1970. And the very last track on it, he uh, uh, is is something called I think it's like pe- like people or something like that. He's talking about cool people that don't get a lot of attention that should be should have more attention, like in the news. And he brings up H. Ross Perot. He's like, and there's this guy H. Ross Perot, and he he spent three million of his own dollars. This is in 1970. That's how long people have been talking about H. Ross Perot. Anyway. He certainly did finish earlier this year his life. Okay, so October 8th, um, we're talking 23 days before Halloween. And um, this came out in 1980. And uh, uh, n- none of the three of us bought it on the day it came out. So we, d- we don't have to. Uh, I didn't have into- the money to buy it back then. Yeah. I was seven. So let's talk about this record. So when we, when we last uh, left off from the Fear and Music uh, episode. Uh, Talking Heads were in Europe, I believe, and they, uh, Tina and Chris, were in an interview, and the interviewer said, "So, uh, what are you going to do now that Talking Heads isn't uh, a band anymore?" And they said, "What?" And he goes, "Yeah, yeah I was interviewing David Byrne earlier, and he said that he was never going to work with you guys ever again." And they said, "Well, oh, he never boy. told that to us." <laughs> <laughs> Boy, oh, that's so they all, news to us. So they all went back to. Oh, they couldn't find him. Uh, they they called his hotel, and he'd already split. And uh, <laughs> they all went back to the United States and said, "Well, uh, who knows what's going on with that?" So uh, then uh, there 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 was about a year or so when uh, Mr. Burns was uh, working on a secret project. Um, he was working on something with uh, old sourpuss himself, Brian Eno, and he wouldn't tell anyone what it was. But he did ask Chris Farts if he could um, <laughs> come over and play drums on the record. So Chris, Chris and Tina, Chris and Tina basically were arguing at the time about whether they should break up the band or not. And Tina really wanted the band to be broken up. She's like, "I'm sick of Mr. Burns' shit," and. Uh, him and Smithers can go fuck themselves. And who is Smithers in this? Is that Eno? 
That's Eno, yeah. Okay, okay. And uh, Old Sourpuss himself and... Um, Slash Smithers. Okay, I'm keeping up. So they, they basically... Uh, Chris really wanted Talking Heads to continue because it's like his dream to be in a successful band. And he loved it, right? So he's like, no, yeah. I don't I don't want to break up Talking Heads. And Tina's like, fuck you and fuck our marriage. And to <laughs> basically, they almost broke up. They decide to go, I believe, to, to was it to Haiti? Nassau. Uh, Nassau. They they go to Nassau in order to to uh, uh undergo their version of marriage counseling, which is they got really into voodoo. <laughs> and they they did voodoo tribal <laughs> ceremonies where they beat drums a lot and it saved their marriage. And they Wait, is this in the book? I don't remember this. This yeah, a lot of this is in their book. Um and uh, in a couple of books that I read. And um, so they they saved their marriage and Chris brought Tina around to like, okay, we're going to keep talking heads going. Oh, anyway, I was going to say, Mr. Burns, he's off with Smithers working on this this secret album. And he asks Chris to come uh, play drums on one of the like songs. Was this like Catherine Wheel or something? No, this wasn't Catherine Wheel yet. Um, okay. So he asks, this is uh, uh, an This album. is that Burn Eno album, isn't yeah. it? This is... Uh, oh. Yeah. So, and we'll talk about that another time, but... Uh, My Life uh, in the Bush of Ghosts. But, but Chris, oh, Chris right, says, right. should I go do this? I mean, Mr. Burns is being an asshole. Um, mm-hmm. And Tina says, well, if we're going to keep talking heads going, yeah, you should keep him engaged and go drum on his record. So Chris goes over and drums on one of the songs on the record and kind of sees what they're up to. And um, then at a certain point, and this is all according to Chris in his book, he says, like, it's kind of up to him to... Uh, tell everyone, hey, it's time to make a Talking Heads record. He tells George Harrison this, and George Harrison is like, yeah, sure, uh, I'm I'm down to make another record. But then uh, they go to Mr. Burns, and he says, no, nah, I'm not really interested. I'm making this other thing with Old Sourpuss. And so this is this is kind of Adam what we were talking about last week. This is where where they trick Mr. Burns into coming over because they're all jamming in their apartment and they ask old sourpuss to come by and just jam and he's like well i certainly couldn't do that and they say come on just don't be (laughs) such a fucking dick all the time and so he comes over and then they call up mr burns and they go brian's over here do you want to come jam with us and you just hear and just like but before mr burns's phone can drop to the ground he already is in their apartment like where's brian eno where's brian eno so they all start jamming and they what they're basically doing and Tawny, correct me if I'm wrong on this, but they they got very inspired by E. Zimbra on Fear of Music. And they said, let's make a whole album like that, where we sort of use polyrhythms and we lay down grooves and no one is writing like music to Mr. Burns's songs that he already wrote. We're just going to like jam and come up with the songs here. So there are a couple of different um, versions of the story. One was that um, that old sourpuss came to Nassau three weeks after they started and heard it and said, "Wow, this is so great! I want to, I want to produce." Another version of it is is that he came down at the beginning. In any case, they all go to Nassau and they start recording "Remain in Light," which is a very unique record, I think, in the Talking Heads discography. Tawny, you were mentioning how they recorded it before. How how did they do it? 
Yeah. So before it was very much like a frontman led operation. It was like David Byrne would come in with written songs. He would come in with melody, lyrics. I don't know how much contribution they'd have once they'd all start learning the parts. But I could imagine from what we know of Mr. Burns, maybe not much. Maybe he kind of had everything right. sketched out in his mind. And he was like, you're going to play a kick drum here. You're going to play this here. Um, Just one kick drum. That's all I want. Yeah. One Boom. at the top. And then you throw it out the window. Uh <laughs> So to ask someone like that, because I can kind of tend to write music this way, too, just because I'm like, OK, I want to sit down. I want to sketch it all out so that people have all the tools. And then when we get together, so people do that can contribute. Down. Interesting. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Standing music doesn't sound as good hmm. when you play it. Um, so to have him come down and say, actually, what we're going to do is we're going to do these like monochordal jams. We're going to lay down tr one track at a time of like just a groove or a riff, a guitar part. And, you know, this is all like analog recording technology. It's not like now with Pro Tools where you can lay down you a groove and redo stuff. it a bunch of times. Yeah, yeah. And you can loop things and you can create like a groove. This is I'm going to sit down and for four minutes I'm going to play these, you know, the same thing. this pattern. Yeah. Over yeah. and over. And then you're going to lay that on top of each other. And then what you really are looking to do is decide what the song is in the mix. And you start carving away. You start and editing away parts out for parts of it. And then, and then like saying, okay, during this part of the song, we're going to have these instruments play it. And But if you notice, every single one of the songs just repeats the same chord structure over and over and over again. Yeah. Where the melody changes and all the instruments change. Right. And so it almost like it's kind of like early trance because they were borrowing so much from like African polyrhythms and Fela, which is wild that Fela they borrowed Kuti, so yeah. much from Fela because that those Fela albums that they were so inspired by, like Aphrodisiac, are so smooth. Like the polyrhythms are there, but like the saxophone, everything coming in, everything just feels like it glides. And everything about Talking Heads is like jerky, bouncy. So it's just interesting to me that their interpretation yeah. of that is like such a pogo stick version of it. And would you say that's what's so innovative about this album in particular and why you like it so much is their kind of innovation in, in that area? Yeah, I also think, you know, it was 1980. Like th this is before this is what almost 10 years before Graceland. So no major mainstream white musician had gone to Africa for inspiration, like in a right. mainstream way. So this is the first time. And they had permission to do it because they were the weird white people. They weren't quite punk. They weren't quite disco. So it was like there was a permissive element for people to listen to rhythms like that from them. I mean, that's why it was a hit, frankly. And they're all really talented. But it, if that happened today, it wouldn't have the same impact because, like, music is so much more globalized, yeah. I think. Well, Mr. Burns came into this and he actually, weirdly enough, said, hey, uh, you know what? I'm tired of the lead singer getting all of the attention and having, you know, the majority of the responsibility in the band. And I really want to share it equally with all of you. So <laughs> let's let's just do this album where it's everything is just done by the four of us and really the five of us, because uh, old sourpuss over there, he decides that he wants the album to come out billed as Talking Heads and Brian Eno. Um, That's right. And he, he wants it to be like a collaboration album yeah. instead of him just being the producer. So so they went into it saying like, okay, all five of us are going to write every track. We're going to split everything equally. And this is going to be unlike any other Talking Heads album where most of them were just us doing David Byrne songs. We're going to do just like, we're going to create something out of nothing and use the studio as an instrument. But And then Brian Eno 
convinces David Byrne to change the writing credits as well. Yeah, well, we'll get to that because that happens at the end. Yes. So uh, they. um, Okay, we'll hold off on that then. Well, well, yeah, let's not talk about that quite yet. So in in any case, they go down to Nassau. They have a, a, a lot of fun. Uh, Robert Palmer, weirdly enough, he's like one yeah. of the neighbors. So he's he's out there like banging on spoons and drums and shit and singing in the background of this record. We also have uh, 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 George Harrison. He had been um, producing some records in between the, uh, Fear of Music and this. So, I mean, look, if you can get a Beatle to, to produce your record, I mean, that's like fucking coup right there do people get mad at you when you do this do people think that you don't know and yell at you on the internet i would get yelled at don't know what be like you idiot woman you idiot woman this wasn't george harrison we know what we're talking about yeah everything we say if it's wrong then it turns into a fact after we say (laughs) that's right all right okay so what did brian wilson do after george harrison uh (laughs) played on the record (laughs) exactly so George Harrison was working with uh, Nona Hendrix, a singer who uh, people would know from the band La Belle, who sang Lady Marmalade, the original version. And he had been uh, recording her record. And so he's like, hey, come on down, sing on this record. So you have her and uh, you also have uh, this guy, John Hassel, who will factor in uh, a little later in Talking Heads story. He he plays the trumpet. He came down. Uh, and he and he'll have something to do with my life in the bush of ghosts uh, down the road. Mm. But he he came down and played some stuff. So you have this uh, great group playing down in Nassau, and um, they're coming up with where great is their, shit. Sorry, where is their trumpet on the record? If the trumpet does not sound like a trumpet. That's what the, this guy he plays the trumpet and then uh, puts it through a, a treatment. Oh, he played it through one of those thingies. Yeah, yeah. Oh. So I think he's okay. on the Great Curve. I can't remember exactly which song he's on, but uh, maybe like Once in a Lifetime. He's or something. this experimental trumpet player, and yeah. Uh, so they they go down to Nassau. They they finish it up, and David, uh, uh, good old Mister Burns, he says, "I can't think of any lyrics." He has writer's block, right? So they say, "No problem, David. Everything's so cool." They're like, "Go go, uh, you know, take it to New York and come up with some lyrics, and everything's great. We love this record." And then at one point, Chris Farts like he's out there, he's like sitting on the grass outside, and and Miss Old Sourpuss comes outside, and and Chris is like, "Hey, man, I just wanted to say, I really appreciate what you did on this record. It really wouldn't have happened without you. I really appreciate it." And Brian Eno just goes like. Uh, I'm uncomfortable. I'd rather not talk about this. And he walks away. <laughs> this is according to Chris. There are so many stories like that in the book uh, with either Brian Eno or David Byrne where someone... Just being weirdos. Someone's just reaching yeah. out saying, hey, something sincere and thank you or whatever. And the, and it's just not received in a comfortable but hey, manner. Donnie, you know, I relate. Even in, <laughs> so. even in David's own book, have you read How Music Works? Uh, I no. haven't gotten to that one. I really want to read it, though. It is, I love it, but man, there's a lot of stuff to get through of him just saying like, I had to figure out my unique movements in precisely such an order. Like, there's so <laughs> much real estate wasted on him, not wasted, explored, on him talking about how awkward he is on stage. Like he, he's very self-aware about it and it, it's not easy to read. <laughs> <laughs> well, I definitely want to read. Sounds I, fun. I'm, I'm going to end up reading all, all of these books. Um, 
so they go back to New York and Mr. Burns can't think of any lyrics. And so then they, they call up your buddy, Tawny. This is where Adrian Ballou comes into play. Hey. So Adrian, Adrian Ballou, Ballou. Adrian Ballou. We talked about him on the last episode where uh, George Harrison saw him in the crowd at a Talking Head show and recognized him from being David Bowie's guitarist and said, hey, come up and play with us. And so um, they ended up seeing him in New York and said uh, at a gig he was doing and said, hey, can you come play on a record? And it's not done. We don't have any singing on it. And Brian Eno was kind of sniffily saying like, oh, the singing will come later. Who cares what it is? <laughs> uh, Brian Eno. Oh, time for bed. <laughs> and uh, so Adrian Ballou comes and plays on a bunch of songs. And um, because there are no vocals, he has no idea where to play. And they just go, uh, just pick places and Mr. Burns will have to sing around you which is <laughs> really funny. So he just like lays down a part in certain parts of the songs and David Byrne has to sing around him, which is cool. That's so cool, actually. I love that. I mean, especially because, I mean, Baloo says that he went to like the Zappa graduate school of guitar theory, basically. Like he learned how to play all his weird ass guitar sounds from Frank Zappa. So that's got to be like a playground to be like, here's a bunch of riffs. We don't know how it's going to sound. We don't know where anyone's going to sing. Like it's a free for all. I yeah. bet that's why it's so good, because he just yeah. had total freedom. So finally, Mr. Burns comes up with lyrics basically by spouting gibberish a lot. That was his process. He would just like do made up words until they didn't sound made up to him anymore. And and then he would listen to a lot of different sources like uh, he, he listened to, especially for once in a lifetime, he listened to like preachers on television and he would just like kind of imitate them and spout stuff until he finally came up with lyrics which is really interesting hmm. and so uh yeah they finally came up with the record we should talk about the cover which was done by chris and tina because george harrison had done the um previous record they really mm. wanted to design it and mr burns um they came to him and said hey uh we're gonna we're gonna design the cover and mr burns was like uh, no, this other guy, this other guy's going to do it. And they said, well, wh why'd you give it away? We want to do it. And he goes, well, he'll do it for free. And, um, <laughs> and they were like, well, no, we're going to do it. So they went to MIT, actually, and this is the first, like, computer graphic album yeah, cover. Something, yeah, some first computer hmm. graphics used in visual... In on a on a record cover or something like that. Yeah, so it's it's the four uh, uh, members of Talking Heads, and then they took a cursor and sort of put red over them to make it look like everyone's wearing masks. But it's right because it's pre mouse, right? So yeah. they had to do it, yeah, just by hand, oh, just wow. dotting all these things out. They did it with these people at MIT who couldn't get credit for it because they'd get in trouble with MIT. Um, and then Tina took uh, this picture of these uh, uh, bomber planes, um, and they they fucked with the computers with those and and the the colors on them, and that was sort of like a tribute to her father who fought in the war. So they did the cover wow. for it, and they they give it. Uh, Mister Burns finally relents and goes, "Okay, we'll use your cover, but can my friend do the the typography and the typeface for it?" And so they go, okay, fine. And they give it to him. And he does the iconic upside down A. Like that's the one mm. thing that he does. But then he charges them a fortune for it. <laughs> and then in interviews afterward, took credit for the, the entire front, cover. The entire the whole cover. Design. Include, including talking about why he picked the planes and all that kind of stuff. Uh. 
for this being one of my favorite bands on the planet, I am positive I would hate most of the people involved in it. <laughs> it's just probably like Chris and Tina and Jerry seem cool, and everyone else, I'm like, you seem insufferable. <laughs> well, we don't know. We, I mean, we weren't there. Uh, obviously, collaboration That's is true. difficult between any people. But Adam, picking up on your uh, what you mentioned earlier, when they get the cover back. After after a long squabble <laughs> with Brian Eno, where he wants more of the credit than um, they deserve, and get and at one point goes, "I've never been so insulted in oh, my life." Oh, that's right. Like storms it's off. Be- <laughs> um, and then and then uh, Talking Heads manager has to go to him and go, "Well, Brian, if we call it Talking Heads and Brian Eno, you don't want to go on tour, do you?" And Brian Eno's Brian Eno's like, "Of course I don't. I don't want to go on tour and play in front of people." And they say, "Well, then we can't call it." Talking Heads and Brian Eno because everyone will expect you to be on tour with them. And he goes, all right, that's fine. I feel like Brian Eno likes the idea of music more than he likes music. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe. Right, because he claims not to even play instruments. Right. So mm-hmm. so they, they finally say, okay, it's just going to be Talking Heads. And they agree that all of their names, every song is going to be written by all five of them, spelled alphabetically. And they go they go make sure that it says that on the cover. And then when the first pressing comes out, Chris and Tina are surprised to find that the credits now read all songs written by David Byrne and Brian Eno and Talking Heads. Of course. Of course. And even worse, on the sleeve, it says all songs written by David Byrne and Brian Eno other than these that also were written by Talking Heads. No, it says one song which is written by David Byrne, Brian Eno and Jerry Harrison. It leaves. Right. Leaves them, them out completely. Yeah. And later oh, they shit. got talking heads. Yeah. And they went to Mr. Burns and, and Smithers and said, like, guys, come on. You, you can't fuck us over like this. And they went, oh, that was a mistake or something. You know, pretended like they thought it was a mistake. So in any way, a lot of like for, for what started out to be like a really happy, uh, fun album for them to make. It, it, it really soured everyone on the group at the end of this. Can you imagine working with someone like that <laughs> who just won't stop trying to fuck you over? Uh, yeah, Adam, I can. Yeah, I guess you can. Oh, wait. Now I don't know who you guys are talking about. Uh, Never mind. I'm looking at him right now. <laughs> oh, shit. What have I wandered into? I, th- this is particularly galling because, I mean, stop me if this is obvious, but like that credit issue is a direct fuck with of their money. Like oh, that totally. is a direct publishing like this means that people who they license the song to or people who cover it you know and put it on commercials or whatever in the future that means chris and tina get none of that money because technically all they're getting is like the the mechanical rights the 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 player rights yeah the performance well they which is insane it's insane but uh i will say that uh perhaps uh it also goes the other way we'll find that out in a future episode um but let's get to the music what do you say yeah, this is yeah. Your, that's uh, what we're here for, guys. Music. But all of that aside, let's get to the music. This album has eight tracks on it. Only eight tracks, and in fact, only three on the first side. Um, three longer songs on the first side, and five on the second side. Let's go to the first track. This is "Born Under Punches." The heat goes on.
right, what do we think? Tawny, obviously, you love it. I love it. You're I love it. along. What do you like about this? I mean, I love those. Talk about the polyrhythms, right? I love how some of it's like. How would you describe very much four on the floor? By the way, for for people who don't know what they are. So, uh, a, an oversimplified. And I'm not talking about myself is, or Adam. We know what they are. No, we know, I know everything about. I know them. you guys are men. You're men. You know everything. Um, <laughs> so, if there's like a four on the floor, right? Like that. Boom, 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 and then over top like of it, like a traditional disco beat, basically. Yeah, and then if over top of it, you had something that was happening in three, let's say, going one, two, three, one, two, three, so I'll, one, I'll go, two, three. I'll do the four on the floor, and you do the three. Okay. okay. One, two, three, four. One, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three, one, two, three. Would people like listening to that? Uh, they do if it's done by the talking heads. <laughs> you guys should make a whole album of just that. <laughs> this is like when I was counting I to <laughs> 34 with the letters. I kind right? of did. I played with this on that album. Oh, I... here's Adrian Blue. This is what you wanted your guy to sound like. Just being a robot maniac. He like processed this guitar through a keyboard or something. Yeah. But you notice the chords are not changing. Oh, here's here's sort of the, the heat goes on part. This is Nona Hendrix and Brian Eno and Mr. Burns singing. Yeah, I feel like that because it doesn't change chords or change much, but so much is going on. It's like artificial movement, right? It's not giving you like, here's a chorus, here's a bridge, whatever. Yeah, it's perfect like dance music at the time. Yeah. Really. Yeah. Let me see you dance. It. Can you show me your, your best dance to this, Adam? Well, the, in, in the 70s, it was a lot of finger stuff. Yeah. Right? Sure. And this is 1980, and so they started incorporating, like, more arms. So people mm-hmm. were doing sure. a lot of this. Yeah. Polyrhythms kind of introduced a whole different... So you were fingering a lot in the 70s, is that what you're saying? Well, I think there was just generally a lot of fingering in the 70s. Got it. And then by the 80s, you got your whole arm up whole there? Whole arm, whole arm. Cool. Um, Adam, what do you think? I love this very much, and I think it's a terrific uh, album opener. They open their albums very well, I think. It's like they're saying, hey, come on inside. Yeah. Here's a written we're ha- invitation. We're having a little party here. Yeah. Put your dancing shoes on, cause uh, we're we're gonna we're gonna get this party started, right? Like that's what they're saying to you. Um, they do yeah. a, a really good job with, uh, even though it is just like one chord pattern repeated over and over. You know, there are just new parts all the time. It's yes. a, a, a six minute song almost, and, yes. and the part that like is essentially the hook and the heat goes on. Like yeah. that doesn't come on until halfway through, and it's really pretty too. Like it's a you know. Like legitimately song. pretty. Like it doesn't know how pretty she is, you know. Like it's takes, you know what she takes off it's, her glasses and lets her hair down, and she's just like, "Oh my god, you're so beautiful!" But you don't know it, you know. Right. It's gorgeous. Yeah. <laughs> um. Let's. Yeah. Let's hear uh, track two. This is cross-eyed and painless. Mm-hmm. 
Did you guys play this, Tony? Yeah. Way to ask her a question Sorry, in the I middle of a water. long gulp of water. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah, we did the Stop Making Sense version, which is a little different, but yeah. Oh, yeah, they play this at the end on the... Yeah, so in Stop Making Sense, Lynn and Edna sing that part mm-hmm. that David's singing right here, which changes the song completely, I feel. Yeah. Let's hear you do it. You really want me to do it? Yeah. Okay. Do you want me to wait till it comes around nope. again? Do it right now. Isn't it weird? Sounds too obscure to me. Sounds awesome. How's that? Great. Yeah, this Stop Making Sense version is great. And your version's good too. Oh, okay. No, it sounds awesome. What do you think, Adam? Love it. Tony? Love it. This is a tough one to Love find a, a clunker on. This is a great album. Um, coming up is the uh, rap section. Which uh, yeah. came about because Mr. Burns was having writer's block, couldn't quite figure out a melody uh, for this section that he had written lyrics for. And according to Chris, he said, Hey, man, have you heard Curtis Blow? You should rap this, bro. He said, Have you ever been stepping in a rhythm to a Curtis Blow? <laughs> um, this, I liked this that part? section better before I knew it was inspired by, quote, rap. Yeah, I know. <laughs> Uh, although, I, uh, what was first? Was uh, Blondie Rapture or was this first? I feel like they were uh, around Blond- the same time. Wasn't Rapture 1980? And this was 1980. Let me look it up. I'm looking it up. Who can look it up faster? Uh, this came out uh, three months after Rapture came out. I mean, three months after Remain and Mike came out, so... But very similar. Oh shit! Very similar. Blondie stealing there. Yeah, like just kind of like. But but when I was a kid and I first heard Rapture for the first time, it was like crazy. It sounded so unique, not because it sounded like rap, because when Talking Heads and Blondie tried to do rap, it doesn't sound like rap. It just sounds like white people talking. You know, like they they thought rap was talking, not talking in rhythm or anything. It sounded more just like early Euro industrial. It sounded like can or new or something where it's just like talking Telling a story over, over it. grooves. Yeah. And what I, were you going to say? I was going to say I remember it as well, the rapture coming out and it just being the most exotic, insane thing. It just sounded unique because no other song had someone just kind of telling a weird yeah. story, but it didn't, didn't sound like rap. Like I, right. I, the first time I ever heard rap music, I wasn't like, oh, just like Blondie did. No, I, it sounded new <laughs> right, to me. Right. Yeah. Here it is. Yeah. To me, this does not scream out hip hop. <laughs> this is real hip hop, Adam. Real hip hop from the streets. Um, great song. Yeah. Fantastic song. That kind of closes Stop Making Sense. I mean, they yeah. come back for the Don't they do it other stuff at the end. With, but... uh, do they do it in, in a medley with Ezimbra? Uh No. Well, Ezimbra's in like the um, bonus uh, yeah. uh, content on the on the DVD. Oh, so right. I don't know when 
chronologically in the oh, show they, it was played. Sorry, maybe but, they do it Ezimbra and the Great Curve. I can't I think they, they do it a melody yes. of those two. Right. But speaking of the Great Curve, which is what I say when I look at Kulop, um, let's... <laughs> <laughs> That's how you keep the magic after all yeah. these years, huh? <laughs> Here we go. This is the Great Curve. <laughs> Tell us about The Great Curve. The Great Curve is another fantastically layered polyrhythmic song that borrows lyrical inspiration from more African shit. You know, uh, The World Moves Like a Woman's Hips is a very, uh, sounds like it's lifted straight out of some kind of a Yoruba folk tale. Um, yeah, I think it was, uh, I think it was lifted from, well, the, the, the water part was lifted from, um, I have it right here. Uh, Af- Rhythm and African Sensibility. That's from uh, Once in a Lifetime. Sure. But uh, they they uh, lifted a lot of this these kind of ideas. Remain in light, they still don't know where they heard that. But, but old Sourpuss was reading an <laughs> African book that he never told them what it was. And he said, I think it should be called Remain in Light. Is this Adrian Sorry. Ballou right here? This is Adrian Ballou, yeah. That is Ballou, yeah. Doing those elephant noises, for sure. Uh this was a uh, this was uh, uh, from African art in motion. Hmm. Is the 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 uh, woman's hips uh, part? I wonder if that was written by someone from Africa or not. <laughs> I like have the same. I love this album so much, and I have the same struggles with it that I do with Graceland, where I'm like, uh, there's just not enough direct credit being given. I want to like, talk. To, I want to talk stories. to you about this. Uh, afterwards, because not after the episode, but I do want to talk to you at the end of the episode about this because that is a slam on the uh, on the record that uh, I, I read a little bit about that I want your opinion on. But let's go to uh, the rest of. Okay, so that's the end of side one, and then side so, two starts. So, yes. Sorry, how long are these songs? The first one's like six minutes, then five minutes, and then and then this curve. one is six and a half. So this is a, se- a seventeen minute side. So far, it's like a pretty cokey album. Would you guys agree with that? Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fuck yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah man. Yeah, totally. yeah, yeah. Okay. yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 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 Totally what cokey. else, man? <laughs> what else, man? What else? What else? Um, Keep it going. 
Keep I, it going. I did want to say quickly that uh, the Rolling Stone uh, review when this album came out slammed Great Curve because it said it was too screechy. And that's the one that I was referring to oh, earlier when I said when you play it live, people lose their minds. Oh, like, fuck it is yeah. the I cannot, dance I cannot, number. I mean, too the, screechy. Having the ability to play that live, I can only imagine the crowd going fucking crazy. Oh, that yeah. Would be, that would be incredible. Um, well, here's a song that makes everyone go crazy. This is definitely one of Talking Heads' most iconic songs. Uh, this is the lead track on side two. This is Once in a Lifetime. And our theme song. I never uh, noticed until just recently in the studio version of this the vocals on when they happen let us know so you can hear it right now it's like someone going maybe you would stop saying it I could fucking hear it if I shut the fuck up oh yeah yeah That is, everyone knows this song. That is one other thing that I wanted to mention um, in the drama making this album. So they used their um, engineer that they had used before. He flies down to Nassau, and after three days, he quits. Because, and there's two different versions of the story. One version, he comes to Chris and Tina and goes, Brian just keeps erasing your parts, Tina. Oh, that's right. Um, on the record. And I'm sick of it, so I'm quitting. And then in Chris's book, he says that he came to him and said, um, Brian keeps erasing anything that sounds like pop music. Um, and you guys could be the biggest band in the world, but he keeps erasing everything. And so I'm fucking quitting, and he quits. But wasn't wow. Brian erasing her parts and re-recording yes. them? So that's the other thing. When the whole record is done, they get a new engineer and all that kind of stuff. When the whole record is done... The one last thing they do after all the singing is on and all that is the engineer comes to Tina and says, hey, Brian and David re-recorded your bass. Um, and it to do sucks. It the, and it sucks. So do you want to just re-record it? And so she laid her own bass over their re-recording of her bass. <laughs> Maybe what they recorded was just them going, but And Brian Eno's still credited, with, has a bass guitar credit in the... Uh, yeah, insanity. Um, well, this this is obviously one of their great songs. Tawny, how do you feel about it? Uh, you know, r- removed 40 years from its release. I love it so much. It gives me chills every time. It's beautiful. It's weird. It's epic. It gets people to weirdly dance. Like, it's a song where when you play it, people will both be dancing, and then right next to them, someone will just be yeah. standing there, like, absorbing it. Yeah. It's, like, five songs at once. My nerdy bit of trivia about this is that this is... One of the first tracks in modern, like mainstream modern music to use an artificial echo chamber. Hmm. And I love weird bits of like recording trivia like that because echo chambers were starting to kind of go out of fashion because you had to like have them built and have them perfectly done. So I wonder if this studio in Nassau just didn't have one. That they would. They, they, they put, like computerized echo on it or something. Is that what you mean? Yeah. So it's the first like synthesized Hmm. echo, which now everyone has on like GarageBand. Oh, crazy. But, um, that's yeah, this is one of the first times, uh, probably on, uh, probably not the first time ever, but the first time on like a mainstream wow. release. This, uh, weirdly enough, was the first Talking Heads song I ever heard because I saw the video for this 
1983, I believe, um, when I used to watch that uh, uh, video, video one show in the afternoons. And uh, you guys have seen the video for this, I would, I would assume, uh, where he does all the classic moves and all the strange dance moves. That was choreographed by a woman that uh, Mr. Burns was dating at the time named Tony Basil. Oh, wow. Who people would know from uh, she sang, Oh, Mickey, you're so fine. You're so fine. You blow my mind. Hey, Mickey. Um, she was a choreographer and an actress. She was in Five Easy Pieces. And um, she and Mr. Burns were dating. And uh, he then broke it off with her and started dating another choreographer, Twyla Tharp, which we'll talk about later. What, what about this as opposed to the Stop Making Sense version, Tani? Which do you prefer or do you have a preference? Oh, I like the Stop Making Sense version because there are more voices doing all those harmonies. Yeah. My, my favorite shit is not when David's backing himself up. Mm. Like, yeah. I love his voice out in front, but I want the different textures of other people. That's so that's my only I agree. quibble. I like that other version. I mean, this is terrific. It's a but... toss-up for me. I think maybe because I knew this version before any before seeing Stop Making Sense, but I do love the Stop Making Sense version. Um, okay, let's go to uh, the second track on side two. I think this we is... could su- suffice it to say you like them both. I, yeah, I guess so. If you really want to boil right. it down that way, um, this is. So are we three bears in it? You're the gold. You're the in between bear. <laughs> sure. You're the yeah. lukewarm bear. The, the what do they call bear. that bear? Yeah. Yeah. I'm lukewarm uh, bear and steam bear. Yeah, I'm de- the country I'm... bear. I'm Shaq, who played that genie. <laughs> um, all right, this is houses in motion. Motion. <laughs> motion. For a long time, I felt without style and grace. Did you guys play this one, Tony? Yeah, this is this is a banger. Is it like those banger sisters? Yeah, the banger sisters. Adam, why weren't you in that movie? I got that for a DVD of that for Ham for his birthday one year. That reminds me, Zach uh, Galifianakis kept trying to give me a, a DVD of A Wrinkle in Time <laughs> when we were working on the Ferns movie. Like, he kept slipping it into my possessions because <laughs> I think he got, like, five of them sent to him by the studio or whatever, and he just kept, like... And I would every time I would see it, I'd go, fuck this, and I would give it back to him. But he kept, like, just slipping it into, like, my bag every once in a while. <laughs> Sorry, we want to hear the song. Here we go. So this is a banger, Tawny, according to you. I think so. Adam, what do you think? Yeah, I like it a lot. It's not my favorite on the record, but I like it a lot in the beautiful big chorus. It's rad. Here's that beautiful big chorus. I like my choruses big and beautiful, guys. I like them big and stupid, as Julie Brown once said. (laughs) Big, dumb choruses. the one track on the record that actually accomplishes being funky without being jerky, like herky-jerky. So it doesn't have that kind of Franz Ferdinand (laughs) angular... Like, whenever you'd read a review of Franz Ferdinand, it would always be, like, nervous and angular, the same thing with talking about Yeah, frenetic. Yeah, this is just more of a groove. Oh, this is the... This this is the horn play. Oh, is that 
Speaking of elephants. Yeah. Were we, were we talking about elephants? We should. Hold on, hold on. Is this an episode of Speaking of Elephants? Yes. Well, it feels like an elephant shaking his big great trunk for the elephant. Hey, everyone. Welcome to Speaking of Elephants. This is Scott. And this is Scott. And, of course, we have a special guest here in the studio today. First time ever doing an episode, Tawny Newsom is with us from Space Forts. Hey, what's up? I never forget. <laughs> Space Forts? Space Forts in Star Trek's Tiny Desk Concert. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, w- w- were we speaking of elephants? Uh, yes, we were. Uh, earlier, we were. I think Tawny brought up the idea of elephants, uh, just brought it right into the convo. Huh. I was talking about elephants as an instrument. You ever used an elephant as an instrument? Uh, no, but I've used an elephant's instrument, if you know what I mean. <laughs> you mean you mean the Ooh. penis of, a, of an elephant? I chopped off his cock and I use it as a dildo. <laughs> Jesus Christ. Wow. Oh, um, my God. It's dark. I okay, think we'll this see you next time. show's going to get canceled. <laughs> oh, it just was. Bye. But it feels like an elephant shaking his big Oh. oh my God! Controversial first step. Yeah, but yeah, uh, going out with a bang. Yeah, banger sister. Yep. Um. Oh, I would love to go out with a banger sister. Oh my God! Between Goldie and Susan. Oh, I, I know. I think they're taken. I went over to Goldie's house once. That's a story for another time. Uh, Was she house sitting? For at her own house? Yeah, I guess if you call hanging out her at her place house sitting, sure. Are you house-sitting I mean, we're all right house-sitting. <laughs> yeah, I mean, yes. yeah, no one else is watching this place. <laughs> Let me tell you, when you sit around the house, you sit around the house. Um, I've never understood that joke. Have you, Tawny? I don't I don't quite get that. I, does Is it a fat joke? Does it mean you're so big? Like you your mom is so big when she sits around the house, she sits around the house, meaning... But your mom is so hollow. hollow. Yeah. That is such I think a that's snap. what it is. Your mom is so hollow. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's go. This is track uh, six. This is seen and not seen. You would see faces in movies, on TV. Hey, it's more rap and in books. He thought that some of these faces might be right. This one's not my favorite. And that through the years, I gotta say, I don't like it that much either. But Tawny, this is one of your favorite records of all time. Can you not like a, a song on it? Oh yeah. I mean, you ever heard me talk about Stevie Wonder? I love songs in the key of life, but Village Ghetto Land's a Baroque downer. You don't like Village Ghetto Land? Hold on, no. hold on, hold on. I gotta find Village Ghetto Land. So oh, I can it's harpsichord downer bullshit. Hold the. F- this is sacrilege. I know. Hold I know. on, hold on, hold on. Let's find Village Wonderland here. One Village second. Ghetto Land. Village Ghetto Land. What? This is insanity. I know. But look, I'm honest. But I mean, that it is a good question. Can you not like a song on one of your favorite records? I mean, Adam, have you yeah. ever, have you ever, like, what's one of your favorite records? Like, Automatic for the People. And there's Ignore Land. I used to not like it all. Skip ahead. Wait, Village Ghetto Land, that's track three on, oh, hold on, we gotta hear this. Hold on. I know. The strength of the rest of the album is this just is good. This is great! 
You think it's just a depressing dirge? We're just... Yeah, well, it's, the lyrics are very depressing. And I've never loved a synthesized harpsichord. <laughs> I've never been into that. Oh, I song. love this song. What a melody, though. Yeah. You guys are Adam. fools. We're <laughs> fools. Adam, do you want to kick yeah. Tawny off the show? Well, wait, she can't hear us right now, right? No, she can't hear us. Do you want to kick her off? I was thinking about it. Like, I was thinking, huh, we should totally kick her off the show. We should. But at the same time, I feel like maybe we shouldn't. Just as like another idea. You're probably right. We'd probably get canceled What with cancel culture and all. Oh my God, cancel culture. I'd like to cancel this song. <laughs> Surprise, I was listening the whole time. What? You could hear us? Whoa, shit. Yeah. <laughs> erase, erase. Erase. Okay, so we don't like seen and not seen for whatever reason. I'm not really into, into uh, uh, spoken word songs. They're my favorite. This is Listening Wind. This is the second to last song on Remain in Light. Very top-loaded album, as it turns out. Yeah. A lot like Got the cool weird ones at the end. Yeah. I do This is very this Eno. You, you like this one a lot. Yeah. Let's hear a little bit of Listening Wind. Let's listen to that very wind that is listening itself. it i used to listen to it on every plane i got on this is my takeoff song oh interesting wow that's cool when, when would you press play uh, when, when i start to feel nervous <laughs> oh. so not not like whenever the you felt the plane lift up or or whenever Usually a little take, before like little before. end of taxi Calm yeah, yourself. yeah. Mm-hmm. end of taxi that sounds like uh Wait, what's the taxi theme? <laughs> hold on, hold on. Now I got now I gotta play the taxi theme. Hold on, hold on. play this the next time I land and then text. Yes. You're like, and the plane will just go, wow, what an ironic choice. Yep. Yeah, I'm going to play it out loud on the boombox <laughs> I bring aboard. <laughs> like, say anything. Yep. <laughs> oh, this is a jam. This is kind of a banger, too. Da, 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 
da, da, da. This would fit right in on Remain in Light, don't you think? Yeah. A few more jangly bits. <laughs> a few more angular, nervous. <laughs> yeah. Frenetic, disjointed, uncomfortable. <laughs> uncomfortable. I love that description bum, of my bum, music. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Meow. I'm doing the MTM <laughs> noise at the end. All right, mm. um, back to Remain in Light. That's Listening Wind. You you really like it. It, it calms you, Adam. What do you think? Uh, yeah, I, I I like it. It's not my fave. Interesting, interesting. Mm. I love the first six, no, sorry, the first five songs on this record, and I'm iffy on the last three. But 65% of it, I love. So, but it is, like you said, top-loaded Um I, uh, uh, I've come to enjoy this last track. This is the overload. Um, let's hear that and I'll tell you an interesting story about it. Oh, I like this. play this one tony i never did yeah, i, I wonder imagine. if they did on shows that i wasn't on because they played for years you know i can't imagine anyone wanting to hear this when they go see a talking heads cover band <laughs> terrible signal Trent Reznor just built his whole life right. around this song. Well, okay, so let me tell you the story as we listen to it. So this is according to the book, This Must Be The Place. Um, this was because Talking Heads read about Joy Division, and they read about the style of music Joy Division played without ever hearing Joy Division. So they decided to, to be inspired and write what they thought a Joy Division track would be. Well, they got pretty close. They got pretty close, but then... Mr. Burns listens to actual Joy Division and is disappointed <laughs> and doesn't like it. Right. <laughs> Likes what he made better. <laughs> yes. He's like, I like well, I like my Joy Division better than Joy Division's. Yeah. I'm confused at how they've never heard Joy Division. I know. Well, I mean, it's 19... I, th- I think Joy Division was only around for like a couple of years, you know, and mainly more popular in the, uh, in, uh, the UK by the time yeah. that uh, he had uh, uh uh let's see what's a better way of saying this by the time he quit the band um right. lead singer um i think it was 1980 when when he committed suicide so i think like yeah maybe but at the weren't. same time these guys were in the new york art scene you think they would have like put on one single yeah, you think or they would have crossed paths but anyway as a joy division song i don't mind it as a talking head song i don't know it is a wild way to end an album. I realize that when I think of this album, I think of the deluxe version with all the outtakes. Oh, yeah. But this, I don't feel like I've ever heard it. Like, I've never put on a vinyl and just listened to it where this is the last song. This would be an insane way to, to end a so- end an I album know. like this. Well, a lot of people really love it, though. It's like their favorite track on this record. No. I do love it. I could see it's people pretending this is their favorite track yeah. on the album. <laughs> well, also, a lot of people, I think, 
love the diversity in it of like, oh, wow, it has these cool dance songs. And then it has this kind of song that I can just like trip out to and put on. And I mean, that's what yeah. an album is for, is to take you through a journey, I guess. Yeah, a musical so, journey. I guess I've never really been able to get into it, but uh, but I know people love it. So, But it is a little strange, Tawny. I mean, this is one of your favorite records of all time. And yet it seems like you like, much like me, the first five songs and are sort of and uh, you like listening wind though too, so you like. I like listening wind a lot, and I do like this one, and but I don't think of it as the last song. So I think right. that colors my. So there are on the uh, deluxe edition. There are four kind of uh, unfinished songs. Actually, one of is one of them is an early version of Once in a Lifetime. Is it, any of these strike your fancy? You want to hear a little section of either Fellas Riff or Unison or Double Groove. Um, I mean, I like Double Groove. I, I guess Fela's Riff, since we talk so Fela's much Riff, about... Uh, Fela Kuti. Okay, here we go. This is Fela's yeah. Riff. This is... They never finished this. This is just a bonus track. We'll listen to a little bit of it and talk. Um, but I, th- I think this is a good segue, talking about, about Fela Kuti, um, who we talked about when Talking Heads first met Old Sourpuss. He popped on a Fela Kuti record and said, this is the music of the future, which is what made Mr. Burns like him so much. Um, but we were talking a little bit, and I, I said I wanted to follow up with you about it, because I read an interesting article uh, in The New Yorker about the singer uh, Angelique Kuji. Uh, sorry, no, Angelique Kijo, who uh, covered Remain in Light, did, a, did an album-long cover of it. Have you heard that, Connie? No, is this an African artist? This is an African artist, and it was talking about a live performance she did of the record before she put it out as a record um, that Mr. Burns came and joined her for. And um, it was talking about how when this record came out in 1980, um, it prompted questions of origins and ownership of influence and appropriation. Mm. Um, And I hate for this. Is this an episode of Yo, Is This Racist? It is not. It's not. Okay, we're not doing that. No. Okay. Andrew's not here. <laughs> and you guys have ads. <laughs> That's the big difference. Um, but yeah, what you mentioned that you don't know quite how to feel about it. What, uh, what, what are your feelings on it? Well, yeah, I mean, I'm definitely not one of those music purists that's like, you know, white artists shouldn't cover uh, African type polyrhythms or whatever. I I believe in the blending of of music and that's how you create new genres and subgenres. And that's why. Yeah, I mean, that's just how music works, but not to quote a David Byrne book. (laughs) But um, what's interesting to me is I would, you know, for all of the influence that the heads say that Aphrodisiac had on them, Fela's album Aphrodisiac, I guess I just wish that people knew that record as well as they know some of the heads records. Because if they were influenced by them so much and they, you know, talked about how they were trying to emulate it and do all these things like them, like, it's just the... You know, we always like shit when it sounds a little more white in America. <laughs> like we we love African rhythms if we just round off the edges a little bit right. and just just whiten it right. up just a little bit and make it a little more like, you know, comfortable and safe and, you know, put it under this veneer of like, oh, it's this avant-garde, weird, punky pop band that's doing it. That's why it's so strange, as opposed to like 
no, it's just black people in the seventies that make music that sounds like this. Um, so sometimes, sometimes people would say like, oh, well, this is creating a bridge between cultures where someone may listen to the talking heads record and go, wow, I really like these, um, rhythms and then go investigate rhythms that in uh, records that they never would have in the first place. That's sort of the people who are, or, or Graceland, you mentioned Graceland. Um, Paul Simon always tried to sort of give equal credit to the, his musicians and sort of, you know, tried at least to make them like as famous as he was at least, at least, at least as far as a, a music fan like me, who was pretty much only interested in like, you know, new wave shit when I was growing up. It did make me aware sure. of them, at least of their name and stuff like that. That said, I never bought any of their records. But um Right. But what and do I you think, think about for, that? I, I think for people like you and like me who will go that extra step and dig into the influences and discover who those people are, that's great. And I don't blame the artists. I don't blame Paul Simon or or David Byrne for, you know, borrowing from these traditions. It's more like but for the casual fan who only knows, mm -hmm. you know, diamonds on the soles of her shoes or whatever and and has no idea the story and isn't really going to dig into it. It's just, you know, it's a bummer to me that those people aren't as famous as Paul Simon. But do you think the Talking Heads should have done more to credit some of these people? I don't think it's a thing of should. I think it's just like I mean, it was already such a weird bridge that they were, uh, you know, to just having such an integrated band on stage, mm -hmm. playing to audiences who were more diverse than most rock audiences. I think they were already doing a lot and they weren't really concerning themselves with the political of it. I mean, if we're talking shoulds, like when Paul Simon went into Graceland, there's very strong uh, political evidence that he should not have gone and done that record at that time. Like the right. South Africa was in absolute unrest and having a huge American rock star come over and make it look like everything's fine and a great place to make a record was not the best look. It's a fantastic record that I would never say shouldn't have been made. It's just like, what's the, I don't know. Yeah. I guess there's no should. It's more just like, I wish, I wish the world was different. Well, these are, these are definitely thorny questions. Um, yeah, I don't know what the right answer. I mean, it's the same thing as when Malcolm McLaren took essentially this record of um, African polyrhythms that that was kind of popular amongst producers and then turned that into Bow Wow Wow and Adam and the Ants. Like those. Like that was a record that was from Africa that he essentially like taught white people how to play that and it became very popular i have yeah. never heard any of those original bands and i'm super into the adam and the ants and bow wow wow versions and and that's kind of a shame but uh but then then you know i did want to mention this angelique kijo album she is an african singer who then is sort of trying to take it back that was her thing she's mm. she's putting uh her spin on the remain in light record and um what's interesting about that is it's the first album I bought from her because she's doing the white interpret like it's it's yeah. she's doing the white version of African music and it made me interested in it so it's like the first record I bought from her so and I guess and I I think you hit it on the head like if if it went that direction as often as it goes yeah. the other direction everything would be fine and it would just be like sharing right. and collaboration and it'd be beautiful it's just it's it's heavily loaded that it goes you know <laughs> the creativity comes one way right. <laughs> to the other Adam what's your opinion <laughs> is it is it angeline kino you just said because that sounds really interesting uh k-i-d-j-o um well let me play a little bit of it uh, as we go out um 
and uh, it's it's really good. It's a it's a really good cover record. And if, in fact, the last three songs that I'm sort of iffy on, I may like on her version a little better. Huh. Um, oh, interesting. But uh, yeah. In any case, Tawny, this was great. Thank you so much for yeah. Uh, thank, thank you, you so for much. For doing the this show. is all I ever want to do is talk about talking heads to your talking heads. Well, uh, we'll see you next week. Um, <laughs> oh wait, <laughs> you can take my place. Yeah, I'm sick of Adam's fucking shit, to be quite honest. Oh, God. I keep walking in the middle of whatever you guys have going on. <laughs> well, um, the, the one thing we should say is is they, uh, to, to leave off the story, Talking Heads finished the record, it came out, and they suddenly wanted to tour with it, but uh, didn't know how they were going to do it because the four of them couldn't play any of this stuff. So we'll pick up with the story next time. Uh, with how they ended up doing that. Um, but uh, let's hear a little bit of Angelique Kiju's album. Uh, let's hear Born Under Punches as we go out. And uh, Tawny, it's been great. Thank you so much. And um, let's hear a little bit. This is Angelique Kiju. All right, we'll see you next time. And until then, we hope we found what you're you found what you're looking for. Bye. Bye.